welcome to the Rich Thoughts Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God and terrify the devil. Get ready. It's going to be a great journey. Good morning and welcome to Rich Thoughts for Breakfast. This is Bev Herring, and I do want to give you a little uh, update on my mother-in-law who had surgery yesterday and came through like an ace at 94 years old. Hopefully she's coming home from the hospital today. So we just praise the Lord for everybody and thank you for your prayers. Today we're going to talk about seven keys to being a good Samaritan. Harold and I were talking yesterday uh, actually about things that we do at Christmas, how we try to be, well, kind of like a good Samaritan. One of our favorite quotes, though, and I really had a great admiration for Margaret Thatcher, former Prime Minister of Great Britain. She was very plucky and uh, for a woman and uh, did a lot of incredible things and stood up for a lot of good things. And one of my favorite quotes of hers is that no one would remember the Good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had money as well. We do remember the Good Samaritan, not just by his good intentions, but the fact that he had money and he didn't mind spending it on somebody else. Money, or sometimes the lack thereof, affects our philosophy of life. Recently, the Lord was, you know, we were looking at this, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we were reminded of the three distinct money philosophies that are actually revealed in this story. In Luke 10.30, Luke 10.30, it says, And Jesus answered, saying, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed him, leaving him half dead. The first philosophy is, what is yours is mine. Dictionary.com defines thief as the one who trespasses upon the house, property, or person of another and makes away with things of value even at the cost of violence. The motivation of a thief would be, well, evil or envy or error. An evil man has a poor self-image without the benefit of a moral center. He will take the path of least resistance. He finds it easier to lie, cheat, and steal than to focus his energy in a positive manner. Perhaps he was just not raised to think that way. Evil behavior is often passed down through generations. However, the good news is that one touch from God can turn even the darkest personality into a saint white as snow. A heart filled with envy is not going to ever be satisfied with what they have. It's going to always want what someone else has. And there are people who covet their neighbor's possessions. There are those thieves who operate in error because they just try to justify their sin. This type of mental, well, mentality of a sort will rationalize that they steal because they don't have any alternative to survive. This person can cite their lack of education or opportunity or well, situational ethics or whatever all of it is, the point of it is sin is really sin. The scripture is very clear, and it tells us in Exodus 20:15, amongst many other places, thou shalt not steal. The thief can have a misguided philosophy of what's yours is mine. But let's go on a little bit further with the Luke 10 uh, story and read verses 31 and 32. And it says, by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him 
and pass by the other side. The second philosophy we see demonstrated in this story of the Samaritan is what's mine is mine. There are people who are more likely to disregard the giving of their time or money to help others and bless others than to just, well, pass on by. Sadly, many people either don't want to get involved in helping somebody else because it's inconvenient or it comes with a price, meaning they have to spend money, and sometimes they just don't care. All three viewpoints do not line up with the Word of God. We have a scriptural responsibility to help and care for those in need. In fact, it shouldn't even be a question in our lives once we are born again and flowing in God's love. The word of the Lord in 1 John 3.17, 1 John 3.17 Classic Amplified says, But if anyone has this world's goods, resources for sustaining life, and sees his brother and fellow believer in need, yet closes his heart of compassion against him, how can the love of God live and remain in him? This whole what's mine is mine attitude reflects also an attitude of shortage. This person's limited thinking revolves around limited resources, either in time or money, and they're unwilling to sow any of it either into the lives of someone else. The fear is that there won't be enough time or money on what for what's their own agenda. But in the truth of the matter is, this is a philosophy of self-indulgence. No matter how you slice it or dice it, this mentality is totally unscriptural. Because we read in Luke 10, verses 33 through 35, these verses. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever you spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. You know, you can read this in numerous other translations, and the two pence equals a couple days' wages, according to, well, the Social Security Administration. We kind of looked it up at one point. Um, the point being is he put was not concerned about spending his own money to help somebody else. So the Good Samaritan displayed the third money philosophy. What's mine is yours. The Good Samaritan recognized that all the good gifts that he had came from God. You can actually even read about that in Matthew 7, verses 11. He also understood that when you bless someone else in need, God blesses you. Isn't it wonderful to have the love of God inside of us? So that when we realize that when we're blessed, we're able to be a blessing to others. Because the truth of the matter is, whether it's Christmas time or any other time, you really can't out-bless God. In Ephesians 6, 8, one of my, well, my husband says it's his defining scripture. I just have so many scriptures I love. I just can't define one of them as being me. But in Ephesians 6, 8, in the New Living Translation, it says, Remember that God will reward each one of us for the good we do. What a promise. What a blessing. We're admonished, really, throughout the scriptures to develop a heart of compassion, to love others with the love of God. 
you know, it said that this is the way that he might, they will know that you are my disciples because of your love one for another. When God's love comes through us, it's just overwhelming and we just can't help it. And the good news is, is we're developing and displaying Christian love and it actually will bring its own reward. So let's consider some other things in the story of the Good Samaritan. In Luke 10, 34, it goes on to say, And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. First, he went to him. The Good Samaritan chose to make a conscious decision to get involved, even though perhaps under normal circumstances, it would be very unlikely for the person to have given the Good Samaritan the time of day. Yet the Good Samaritan chose to be involved in help. Second, he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. In that day, oil and wine weren't cheap. They were necessities that people lived on, and those who carried them had financial resources. So he was using something of value to care for this man. And third, the Good Samaritan didn't just fix the man's wounds and leave him. The scripture says he set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn. The Samaritan walked to the nearest inn when he could have ridden, but he instead led the man on his own beast. Fourth, we don't know the purpose of the Good Samaritan's journey. Perhaps he was on a business journey. But regardless, he set aside his own personal agenda to care for this man that was in need. The question I guess that we need to ask ourselves, well, this time of year and every time of year, is do we hesitate and get involved in the lives of other people? To do something that's right simply because it's not convenient to us or part of our daily routine, or it might mean that we run behind in our Christmas shopping. Fifth, the next morning, the Good Samaritan paid the innkeeper for two months lodging with a promise to cover any additional expenses. Samaritan obviously did have money, as Margaret Thatcher said, but he also must have had a good name and a respectful personality and character within him because he took over and cared for this man as long as he needed care. So here, I guess, is the question of the hour for all of us. If we were confronted with an opportunity to help someone as the Good Samaritan was, would we have the heart and the funds to do it, or would we walk to the other side of the road? You know, there is many, many who are unwilling to help others because they feel it might cost them too much. And the problem is, is when we're in debt, our ability to help others is somewhat limited, even if we feel that urge of compassion inside us. You know, we need to ask ourselves, does our financial situation determine our philosophy of life? Hopefully not. And as partners in the debt-free army, I know the folks who are listening to me today, that they're full of compassion and full of love and full of the Holy Ghost and looking for debt-free living and looking for blessing other people. And that is the way that we are able to not just bless others, but God abundantly, we open the door for him to bless us. So, how does our financial situation determine our philosophy of life? Are we free enough to give our finances to be there when a neighbor has a need? You know, that might even be 
open for another teaching. Again, thank you for praying for Mama Herring. She's supposed to come home today. We just praise the Lord that we are able to just have you tune in every day. We love this. We love being able to reach out to you and just give you a little bit of something to nibble on and send you off and hopefully have the best day ever. Well, until tomorrow morning at 8.30 and every morning thereafter, you know, you have a happy day today and keep thinking rich thoughts from the Word of God. We love you, we thank you, and we praise the Lord for you. Bye-bye.